Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Now, good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bringing the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Thank you all for joining me as always. A quick seven days, as I often say here on the programme. I hope calving is going well for all of you out there. Uh, Weather is turning cooler for the next few days. Brief bit of respite then next week, but nothing noticeable. Friday week is the 1st of March. It's been a long winter already and we're all hoping for some spring weather from next week on, so fingers crossed. Now, onto the show this week. And in a moment, I'll be speaking to Martin Coughlin from the Farming Indo on the Livestock Trade. Also, Kildalton College are holding an open day on Friday week, the 1st of March, and we will be chatting about that a little later, including the courses which they have on offer there from the basic green cert, the old style green cert that we all know, to advanced certs in dairy, dry stock and tillage. Brian Clancy from the college will speak to us a little later here on the programme. Some great value on offer there with course fees also, a lot less than I had imagined and something you don't say too often anymore. Minister for State with Responsibility for Farm Safety, Martin Hayden, is holding a meeting next week. It's a public discourse for rural and agri-affairs. He joins us to preview that. And also, as we know, this is unfortunately a time of the year where farm accidents happen as a result of fatigue on farms throughout the country. And the Minister will speak on this area also. Larkin Roach Kelly from the Irish Farmers Journal will join me later in the programme to cover the recent results of the Kerry Group and with their annual results announced last week showing a turnover north of €8 billion and profits in the region of €700 we'll delve into where these figures are coming from. As always, text or WhatsApp me here on 083 30 10 103. Now we start off with Martin Coughlin. Martin, many thanks for joining me this evening. Good evening to yourself and all your listeners, Michael. It's the uh, sunny southeast. is where you're from, uh, Martin. Is the weather any, <laughs> di- any, di- any different down there than it is uh, in, in uh, our neck of the woods? We're cool now. It's after getting well, cool today. For, I don't want to depress your listeners any further after listening to the forecast you gave. All I can say is it's dark outside, so I can't actually tell you that it was completely cloudy. Yeah, and well, it looked like it was going to rain. Yeah, I think we're in a, we're in a bit of a blip of bad weather now. But look, we'll take it if if it if it does get mild, as I said, from Friday week is the uh, the first of March. We're going to talk about the trade in a moment, Martin. But first, it was mm. an article you wrote, I think, two weeks ago on the paper, and it was a very interesting piece. It was with uh, Robert Devere Hunt from Cashel Mart. Look, we will all know Cashel Mart yep. up around this part of the world, a great place to go and buy calves yep. and a, a real dairy heartland there in the Golden Vale. But the piece he was speaking about was how he is genuinely concerned about the future of the Frisian bullock. And uh, I thought it was very, very interesting. Just can you elaborate on it for a, a moment, Martin, please? Well, what just started off as just a casual conversation, I started making a few notes, developed into an entire article over the space, space of, I'd say, maybe 35 or 40 minutes, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, it has been commented to me by others, apart from Robert uh, previously, that the, the number of uh, freezing calves coming through from the dairy sector, sec- sector sorry, uh, has declined considerably. Now, sex semen is part of the, uh, of the issue, the expansion of the Aberdeen Angus breed, of course, and the Hereford breed is also contributing uh, to it. But the reality is that for a lot of dry stock, your traditional dry stock farmer, while we'd all love to have really lovely continental cattle, um, the reality is that when you come into the south of the country, 
it's black and white. We don't necessarily have a huge colour licence, if you know what I'm trying to say, um, in that regard. And those men are finding it, I am told by mark managers, more difficult to sort, sort the type of freezing cattle that they would want. A number of uh, men have commented that, like, there was a time there where you had, and it was said in the article as well, that you had, like, people bemoaned the fact that the quality of freezing cattle was, was falling, but to some degree was being compensated by the fact that when you crossed uh, with, a Holstein, uh, with, with a Holstein breed, you at least had size in the particular animals that you were getting. However, when the jersey uh, came in, that uh, advantage, for the want of a better word, just dis- disappeared, and cactus weights got a great deal smaller. Now, I mean, it has been helped, of course, by the fact that the uh, dam of the particular animal will now be on, on, up on the board, so you'll be able to see, like, from where, what's, from that side, uh, what was actually com- coming, coming down the road um, for you, like, in a number of, of, of months. But the reality appears to be that with the expansion of the dairy herd and their continued uh, expansion into more and more milk and getting the genetics of it right in that regard, the quality of the male animal has continues to decline. You can just go to Matt and you can see this for yourself as well. I suppose, Martin, as well, then uh, the minister, if, if he was talking to us here, he'd say, yeah, look, we're aware of that. And that's why we've brought in the uh, the National Genomics Programme. And the idea of that, I suppose, will be that it will help. Because, look, it, it was and it is getting to a stage where, as you say, the quality of these male calves is getting poorer and poorer. And, and guys just are they're stopping rearing calves, to be honest. They're just saying, look, there's nothing in it. Uh, I'm buying them. They're expensive. Milk powder is expensive. I can't get them into decent carcass weights. And I'm just scratching my head here. So I'm going to go maybe go organic or I might try tillage or I might try whatever. So this National yes. Genomics Programme, like it, it, it basically had to come in at this time to try and uh, put some sort of a floor under this, this male trade. Well, that would, that would be true as well. And an element I didn't mention there was like the fact that there was a lot of calves shipped over the last number of years as well. And an awful lot of them were, were, were freezing calves. And they're gone out of the system uh, too. I, I mentioned this week like that, uh, like in the March, the, your ordinary farmer has at one end, he's trying to deal with uh, factory buyers who are probably trying to buy 500, down as low as 500 kg uh, animals. And then you have shippers coming in at the other end, uh, mopping up uh, uh, we'll say weanling bulls and some of those lighter cattle up to maybe 450 kilos as well and they are taking a lot of Frisians um, the uh, Vistastar uh, shipping group from Westmead told me that they're in the market for bulls and bullocks uh, of 300 to 500 kgs Frisian bulls and bullocks of 300 to 500 kgs so that's going to remove more uh, stock out of the market and this is having as you said in your article this is having a knock-on effect for ordinary farmers like the mart trade is extremely strong at the moment i just checked mart bids mm. uh, while i was waiting here before i came into the studio and i saw in burr on monday a 380 kilo uh, angus bullock went 1040 that's 273 a kilo right that's a great strong price but right up next to him then obviously not sure must have been an exceptional animal but 390 kilos, 1,230 euro, 315 a kilo. Like these are eye-watering prices being paid for store cattle yeah. in Marts. Yeah, four, four euros a kilo. There's a, 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 this was commented uh, by mart managers actually up in the west of Ireland there a couple of weeks ago when they started to see prices from about 360 to four euros a kilo being paid for con- lighter continental type cattle because farmers are afraid that the, the numbers are just not going to be there. I noted in uh, I think it was the factory article there two weeks ago about the 
the, the decline in average weight of carcasses uh, in the country. Uh, like they're down four or five uh, kilos, I think, on the bullock and the heifer side, and they could be down eight kilos on the cold cow side, and young bulls are down eight kilos as well. However, the anomaly in the, or it appeared to be anomaly in the, in the figures, was the fact that uh, your older bull was up 10 kilos. Now, I, I did contact the department. I didn't get a reply to this, and I wondered whether or not was the reason for the increase in the weight of older bulls down to uh, the, the, the fact that an awful lot of the uh, lot of suckler men have got out of their suckler cows, and they're now actually getting out of their breeding bulls as well, and they will be obviously heavier. And there was more of those going through uh, the system over the last excuse me over the last 12 months, which wouldn't be good news for uh, the uh, the suckler side and for those men who would be and women who would be wishing to continue in the uh, store to beef trade shall we say uh, buying better cattle when the reality of it is if the bulls are not there to breed them in the first place they're not going to be there like map managers tell me that like they have seen considerable uh, slaughtering of uh, suckler cows I spoke to and I can't remember which man it was up in the west I asked the question when uh, we talked about the number of cold cows from the suckler herd he put through whether or not the, the men who were selling these suckler cows were going back to buy replacement heifers and he said absolutely not mm, they're, yeah. they, they were, they're going to stay farming doing what you're saying which is going down the organic route which basically means less and less beef in the system yeah, and less and less quality. Uh, before I let you go, yeah. uh, Martin, look, Martrade's strong at the moment, not quite having as much of a knock-on effect on the factory trade. Your heading was, quotes back, another five cent a kilo. Uh, factories mm. poised to get tough on overweight stock. Funny, really, like, we're mm. back here in around, what, five, I suppose, plus bonuses, maybe five twenty, five twenty-five. Uh Martrade just way, way, way leagues ahead of that at the moment. Well, it is, yeah. Well, we, we, you are coming in, and as I've explained, like there are, people are afraid that to get the type of quality cattle that they require, they may not actually be there in the system. So they're going out possibly maybe a little bit earlier to see what they can actually get. Because as we all know, when the weather comes good and ground hopefully dries out and grass starts to grow, the tradition is like that farmers, as I say in my report, like are more concerned with getting the numbers they want rather, some of them, anyway, the numbers they want rather than the actual cost of what those numbers would, would actually uh, work out at. Um, but it is, it, it, like, it is ironic with uh, the fact that uh, beef production across Europe is expected to be back about three, another 3% this, this year. That's, uh, the same thing is happening in Ireland. There's, like, there's an opportunity for, I believe, the, the Irish beef and the Irish sheep, sheep trade and Irish agriculture in general should possibly be ex- expanding on the suckler side and the beef side and the, and the sheep side to fill this vacuum that is actually developing because uh, in South America there are no constraints on uh, what a beef they can actually produce and uh, like if the numbers fall here demand will dictate that we will end up seeing more beef coming possibly from that part of of, of the world and I think this is regrettable for the 
overall uh, economy of all the countries in Europe is that if we we can't feed ourselves properly in this particular regard. And 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 there and therein is the problem, Martin. It's something we're talking about regularly here in the program. Look, this uh, this push on supply and then where the shortfall is going to come from. Just before I let you go, Hoggett quotes up fifty fifty five cent in three weeks. It really does mm. show supply and demand at this time of the year. But uh, Hoggett's going well at the moment for anyone who has any left. They are. I mean, I, I quote like the the sheep table has quotes there of up to seven twenty, uh, and being translated into prices of seven fifty, seven sixty. Um, I'm told from people in the trade that more is confidently expected to be perfectly honest. And having spoken to various uh, fairly senior uh, factory people, uh, procurement officers, and the like. Um, they fully acknowledge that the number of sheep in in the country at the moment is not quite filling their their requirements. Like there is a suspicion among well, the factories are saying, well, farmers know that Ramadan is coming, know that there will be increase in demand, and that they are uh, uh, holding sheep for that. But right now, at the moment, it's not the Ramadan trade or the Easter trade that's actually driving this. This is just the current demand on the contracts that they actually now have. Ramadan is what, the 10th of of next month, which is what, two weeks away we'll we'll say. That won't really get going for another week possibly. But even before, my point being that before that the trade has strengthened on just the fact that there aren't enough sheep there. And I think the factories are probably speculating that there is, you know, there are extra sheep in the background and that they are being fed and all the rest of it. Yeah, very good. Martin, I'm going to say many thanks. Great round up there on all the different areas of livestock trade. And we'll speak to you again on the programme. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Martin Coughlin there from the Farming Indo. And I'm going to shoot directly to a break because after the break, we are moving over to Kildalton College. They have an open day coming up on Friday week. Brian Clancy from the college there is going to give us a rundown of what's available on the day and the courses which they have on offer so stay tuned for that Country Life on Midlands 103 brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands worshaw.ie and you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103 and we are talking about third level education now in the agri-sphere and Kildalton College have an open day coming up next week. Brian Clancy from the college joins us now. Brian, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, you're more than welcome, Brian. Look, you have an open day coming up. It is Friday week, I believe. We're going to give the particulars on that in just a moment. But first, just uh, a moment on the college itself. It's a very well-known agri-educational facility. When you say Kildalton College, people are aware immediately of it and they know the name throughout Ireland, up and down the country. Uh, how long have you been training farmers uh, down in Kilkenny now, Brian? Yeah, um, I suppose, MJ, um, the, the, the first of the students would have, I suppose, started in agricultural education back in 1971-72. So we had, a, we had a historic year back in 2022, 50 years of agricultural education. So I suppose we're after a while now at this stage. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it, it's, um, it, it's driving on, I suppose, year on year, you know, so... Yeah, you could be you could be you could be nearly in your third generation there at that stage with yeah. fifty years on, on the go, and I'm sure lots of families, uh, fathers, grandfathers, fathers, and maybe even sons have come through the door. It is a long, long time to be added, and as I said, really well known brand name when it comes to agri education. And looking at your your courses that you have, I have them up in front of me here. Uh, you have your level um, five certain ag, and then you have your advanced certs in dairy herd management, dry stock management, and crop 
and machinery. Uh, crop machinery, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so when people hear about these different courses, what they automatically think of is the old style green cert. How do I get the green cert if I want to go and get a herd number and I want to go and get the exemption on stamp duty and whatnot? So wh- which one is the equivalent of the old style green cert, Brian? Yeah, well, I, I suppose just to go back, MJ, um, I suppose the, the CIA 5, or it's known as Certificate in Agriculture Level 5, that, that's basically your first year course. So the students would spend, um, I suppose, a full academic year in the college starting in September um, and right through up to um, March, then in March, April, they're out for eight weeks placement. And once they successfully complete um, all modules and practicals and exams in that, then they can move on to basically um, a three-way split so they can either do level six advanced certificate in dairy herd management or level six um, advanced certificate in dry stock management or else uh, level six cross machinery management. So it all depends, I suppose, on what areas they're coming from and what what um, direction they want to travel later on in life and what, what their career paths want to uh, bring them into different sectors. And do all students do the level six the second year? Do some just do the level five and get the, the kind of green cert qualification and no, they go? No, it doesn't work that way anymore. Ah, of course, okay. you, you have to progress on from level five um, until six to get your to get your the old green cert, I suppose, if you want to call it that. So once you have your, your level five gotten successfully completed, then you move on to either advanced dairy, advanced livestock or crops machinery. So... Yeah, and we that's, did, the way it works. that's the way it works, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're explaining it to us all uh, very well because, you know, back in the day, people thought kind of one academic year, your green cert, that was it. But now it, it has changed around. We saw a number of years ago that ag colleges took a bit of a, a nosedive back maybe seven, eight, nine years ago. Uh, there wasn't as much interest in them and wasn't as much interest in, in the courses. But uh, what a turnaround in the last three, four, five years. Now, agri is hot property. People want to get to these courses, want to get them done. And it really is a big, big turnaround in a, in a few short years. Yeah, sure. It's huge, I suppose. And just research my notes earlier on today, like back in the, the first course, I suppose, that, that was enrolled in Kildalton back in 1972, there was 30 students enrolled on that, on that course, which I suppose was big at the time. And if you look at today's numbers between all courses, um, we're linked in with um, FETU and Waterford as well. You, you could have mentioned maybe fourteen or fifteen hundred students coming through the doors. You know, so it's it's a busy college, I suppose, and there's a lot going on across the different um, range and suite of courses out there. Like you know, so it has it has explored, I suppose, definitely in the last in the last number of years as well. There's big interest in agriculture. Where do you see most people going in the level sixes, Brian? I'm going to guess it's dairy. Uh, pr- presuming it yeah. is. Yeah, sure. Look, at I suppose it's just uh, the way things are at the moment, I suppose. Out there, um, you know, most of the students would, I suppose, head that direction um, on the dairy course. Um, but look, I suppose you, you have um, people coming from dry stock backgrounds and soccer backgrounds, and they obviously will go that route. And in the crops and machinery course, um, that would be, I suppose, more targeted for people who are coming from a specific or maybe all, all tillage system at home. So, yeah, the dairy one, I suppose, is, is leading the force, but at the moment anyway, yeah. And when we talk about agriculture, one thing that gets mooted a lot, Brian, is the fact that the age demographic is you know, so strong or so high. The vast majority of farmers are in their 40s, in their 50s. And this is something we see at Mars, we see at events. You're on the other side of the coin. You're down in Kildalton where the people coming in are all young adults and they're ready and they're hungry for agriculture. You're seeing the other side of the coin, which is a great place to be you're kind of getting the young energy side of it do you see a bright future for Irish agriculture uh, sure I suppose look yeah you have to be enthusiastic about it like you know um, I suppose it's the same as anything you, you try and encourage the, the, the youth of tomorrow and I suppose educate them and bring them on with you like you know I suppose they're only as good as uh, I suppose the education they're getting but look yeah there is there is a lot of positivity in the colleges um, and in Kildalton you know people are enthusiastic about doing the courses 
And look, I suppose long may continue because, you know, they are the future farmers out there. And I suppose what you would see as well is that there's a lot of females coming on course as well. So that's that's positive and that should be encouraged as well, like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Is it all farmers coming through the door, Brian? Is there anyone coming from a background that doesn't have land that maybe wants to get into dairy farm management, be it abroad yeah, yeah. Or, or possibly you've, here? You've, yeah, you've a wide wide range of people coming. Like, not necessarily you, you don't have to be from a dairy or sheep or tillage background. Like, you know, you have students coming through um, and successfully competing courses, and they've never made the cow or driven a tractor in their life, but very very driven people and focused, and they get where they want to, to go and they move on. Like, yeah, so absolutely, uh, it's, the, open, it's open for everyone. Yeah, which, which is fantastic. The work experience part of it is always the one that you'll hear ag students talk about. Uh, be it going to New Zealand or possibly out to America or whatever the case may be they'll always talk about that the old style three months as it was called back in the old green cert what do you encourage down in the college presume for dairy you're going to encourage people to maybe head down to New Zealand and see how to do it down there uh, maybe for, for crops you might be heading abroad what's the, the general um, theme on that Brian? Yeah, sure. Look, I, I suppose you, you kind of sit down and chat with students during the year and get a flavour, you know, do they want to travel or stay at home? I suppose you're encouraged as much to travel as possible in the sense that, you know, they get out and they, I suppose, they meet fantastic farmers out in New Zealand and Australia and, and the US. And I suppose it's the big context for life then as well. So, look at this, I, we would encourage um, students in Kildalton, you know, if the opportunity is there to get out and go and travel because, you know, you, you, you'll always learn something different from, from different farmers out there and it's it's life experience as well they'll bring home with them. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings on then to the other side of the coin, Brian, that you're trying to sell Kildalton to younger people. They need a good social life as well. Uh, is there a, a decent social scene with the students down in Kildalton? Are they off uh, on weekends and, and gone on nights away and whatnot? Because that's part and parcel of it all. Yeah, sure. Look, I suppose we are very look. It's 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 in a, an area of the country. I suppose you're only twenty minutes from Waterford, and I suppose Carrigan Shore is literally only five minutes in the road. Um, but I suppose you know students would be encouraged. I suppose to join Marker in, in the college as well, and there's different kind of um, trips away. I suppose you know students would go on different sorry, trips away, maybe to UK, and you'd you tie in um, an event as well. But look, I suppose it's the same as anything in there. Like um, you have to have a certain amount of social life as well. You know, they'll meet context and they'll meet future friends for life. And I suppose that should be encouraged as well. Like, it's not all about books and study as well. Like, you know, no, so ab- it's a healthy no, balance. Ab- absolutely not. Uh, one thing I said to Brian at the start of the programme, it's not too often we say it now in this era of uh, superinflation that we're living in, but your college fees, the course fees, are they're very, very reasonable in around... Um, I think nine hundred ninety euro is what your level five is, and then a thousand for for the add-on. That's great value. Yeah, sure. Look at I suppose. Look at I suppose you still have, to have that money in your pocket, but I suppose it, it's not it's not outrageous money. Like you know, it, it's very very manageable. I suppose, and I suppose a lot of these students they are coming in, they're working as well during the summer months as well. So look at yeah, it's 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 not an outlandish fee. I suppose um, the uh, agricultural CIA five nine hundred ninety euros. And any of the, the advanced course in, in around the same nine ninety thousand euros. So look at it's it's not huge money I suppose and I suppose given the fact that they're getting a good education and I suppose experience and getting their green search, you know, it's 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 um it's it's not huge like you yeah. know. So well, it's a good investment. Will you give a mention now, Brian, about your open day, just date, uh what way yeah. it works on the day or how people get involved in it, please? Yeah, so we have um an upcoming college open day on Friday the first of March. Um, so tours start at 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. and I suppose the way it works is um, when when groups come in, they're escorted around the college and they're shown different facilities, um, they're shown different enterprises, the dairy, sheep, uh, beef and tillage, 
and I suppose look it's kind of it's um it's a way of getting to know staff and students and I suppose seeing um what is available to potential students and they can kind of get a feel for for the different enterprises and facilities down there. Um so as I said it starts the first tour starts at ten AM, the second tour starts at eleven AM. Um I suppose we would kind of encourage larger groups to to maybe ring in and book in advance just to cater for larger bus bus numbers coming in. If your individuals coming in, say a mum and a dad and an individual student, there's no requirement to to book in for smaller groups. But certainly I suppose if, if um schools are coming with say in larger buses, we would encourage to uh, get the book in I suppose just for, for continuity and flow on the day like. Yeah absolutely I'm sure you're going to have a big turnout there hopefully you get the weather as well Brian we're going to yeah. say many thanks for joining us giving us a great rundown on Kildalton there and best of luck on your open day thanks Brian OK thanks MJ take care thank you uh, Brian Clancy there from Kildalton College and that is on Friday week on the 1st of March and a lot of good courses down there and as Brian said uh, it's in a good part of the world as well for the social scene which is uh, all the important uh, with uh, with any course like that for meeting people and meeting future colleagues and future friends and lifelong friends as uh, as Brian said and uh, the two year course in all those areas really good value as we said look you still have to leave you have to pay tuition you have to pay uh, accommodation fees if you're travelling from, from far away and you spend the money and whatnot as well but on the basic fee of nine ninety, or look, a thousand euro, basically a year, it is a very good value. No question about that. Now we're moving on, and after the break, I'm going to be talking to Larkin Roach Kelly from the Irish Farmers Journal. He's going to have news on Kerry's recent results for us and how their turnover dropped, but their profits increased in the last year. So stay tuned for that. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to the business of farming and we have the agribusiness editor from the Irish Farmers Journal, Lorcan Roach Kelly, joining us on the programme. Lorcan, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Great to be on, Nigel. Thanks very much. Uh, more than welcome, Larkin. We're going to talk about Kerry's results in just a moment. They were released last week. But first, there was a piece you had on the paper last week. I thought it was very interesting. And it was this whole concept of farmers being wary of credit terms from merchants. And I suppose not using your merchant as a bank. Can you elaborate on that for a moment for us, please, Larkin? Yeah, I think it's kind of it's worth saying because people may not fully understand how much they're being charged and they're being charged a lot for their merchants. But there's kind of this good and bad with it. If you go into your merchant and you say, oh, put it on the account and you pay him back within 30 days, he'll charge you no interest at all. It's the cheapest credit you can get because it's free. But once you go past the 30 day period, it can get very expensive very quickly because merchants generally add interest on on a monthly basis and at a monthly rate. So say just we, we looked at three we had Dairy Gold, who were 1%, Arivo, 1.5%, and Tierlon were 2% per month. So if you look at that 2% per month across a year, it adds up to 26% per annum in interest you're paying. And if you went in for a loan in the bank and they charge you 26%, you'd tell them where to go because it's too much money and everyone knows that. But because you just go and say, oh, put it in the account and you don't really think about it, you might leave things slip for a couple of months or three months or four months, that money adds up very quickly. And you're almost better off if you do some good financial planning to go to your bank for, for the first point and say right I, I'm going to borrow money especially for guys that are in tillage or guys that are in beef who kind of have a very cyclical life they get kind of paid once or twice a year and their debts can add up over the rest of the year 
So the best thing to do is go to a bank and get a stock loan or something like that. They'll maybe at 6 or 7% per annum. The cost is fixed. You know what you're going to cost. And the, the bank is fully regulated, so you know you're kind of safe there. Because one of the big problems with the dairy lending or with the um, merchant lending, this obviously goes for you know, other merchants as well. Any merchant you deal with will charge you. It's not just the co-ops. They'll charge a lot of interest. But one thing that's very important that because it's seen as um, a merchant to trader, farmers are a trader, um, lending, it's not regulated at all. Like this is completely unregulated. The consumer, consumer the competition protection already say it's not their ball because it's not consumers. Your farmers are traders, and the central bank says it's not our ball either because it's um, co-op to merchants and co-ops are covered under the Co-op Act from 1895, which has nothing to do with this kind of lending law. So it's very unregulated, and the farmers really need to be careful with it because if you don't keep an eye on it, you can get a big bill that comes with a big shock very quickly in these things. And you're mentioning loans or stocking loans, uh, Larkin, instead of merchant credit. And we're talking in around rates, maybe six, seven, eight percent at the moment. Is that yeah. kind of what we're talking at the moment, the best kind of value out there in that six to seven percent? Uh, or is there better deals if you look around? Do you have to be careful on that that, that regard as well? Always shop around, but be always aware with deals if it seems to do good through it, probably. It's like no one's going to give you three percent anymore. That went when the ECB hiked its rates from zero to 4 or 5% very quickly. So the lowest you'll get would be maybe 55 6%. And some of the co-ops actually have deals with um, banks where you can get a good deal on a loan if you go through the co-op. <laughs> it seems rather strange because the co-ops also don't want farmers running up huge debts at the, at the trade counter because it's a pain for them to go to their members and say, hey, give us all this money you owe us because the members will say, I don't owe you the money. So nobody wants to get involved in this long-term credit over the counter. It just farmers tend to fall into it. So there are lots of other options. Even if you're looking at paying 26% to tier on, you better put on your credit card, which I would never recommend, or go into the credit union as well. There's lots of options there. Shop mm-hmm. around, you will always find a good deal. But be sure you know what you're being charged. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, that is the most important one. Just moving on to the Kerry Group. They announced uh, revenues last year. I just have figures in front of me here. So their group revenues fell by 8.6% to just over 8 billion. It was 8.772 billion in 2022. Uh, so they were down on their revenue. However, uh, the company said its profit after tax for the year rose to 728 million from 606 million. So it was a, it was a good news story, really, Larkin. Like, at the end of the day, turnover is, is, is vanity, essentially, and their profit <laughs> rose. So it, it, yep. it, it's all good. But the, the Kerry spin on it is that, uh, or the spin on it is, the, the media spin, I should say, not the Kerry spin, the media spin is that their revenues fell. However, their profits increased. So it's all good, no? Uh, okay, I think for, for, for our listeners in Ireland, as they say, I think Kerry Group is something that they need to understand. The Kerry Group is 90% international ingredients business that has nothing to do with Ireland. So Kerry's revenue and profit can go up and down. It won't mean a gnat's whistle to most dairy farms in Ireland. The thing we need to watch is what's happening at Kerry Dairy Ireland. That is what we, I suppose, we consider to be Kerry Co-op of old. The guys that collect the milk, process the milk and sell the, the, for the products from the milk. That's the one we watch. So Kerry Dairy Ireland's revenue was at 1.28 billion, 1.3 billion last year, which wasn't, it was a fall, but not a huge collapse from the year before. Considering where the market's been, it wasn't a bad outrun. But um, their earnings dropped from um, 71 million to 53 million. So that's a drop of about 16, 17%. It's a decent enough drop. But I think a lot of the um, dairy companies that we've seen reports so far, like these are multinationals, they're all kind of saying the same thing. There's really difficult market conditions in the year. So this is not unexpected to see a drop in profit to Kerry Ireland. The big news, I think, from Kerry Ireland is that Edmund Scanlon, the CEO of Kerry Group PLC, basically said after the earnings that he wanted, Joe, he's open for offers. He's very happy if someone comes to him and say, do you want to buy Kerry Dairy Ireland off us? 
let's do a deal. I think the problem we'll find with that is that maybe there's not many people beyond some maybe some farmers in Kerry who actually want to buy Kerry there and have the money for it because investing in dairy processing at the moment is probably not a winning bet because if you look at what's happening with the milk market in Ireland right now, there's more, there's less milk, there's more stainless steel in the process side chasing that milk so that the market for, for farmers will find it, uh, the, they get good offers from, from processors and if you're going to start in from scratch with a new processor or buy a processor and look for a good return on it, it's probably not the best time to be doing that. Uh, so this is similar. Kerry then are looking to do something similar to Glambia did. We now know Tierlon are the are the processors, if you will, and they're separate from the the PLC. So Kerry are yeah. looking to do a, a similar split, essentially. I I think they're looking to do a similar split. I'm not sure if they're, they're really. I think with Tierlon and Glambia, there was, there was a good relationship between both sides and the management of of what was Glambia Ireland at the time and Glambia International. But they were very well meshed together, so it was a very smooth transition. And I think everyone was relatively happy with it. I think the problem with Kerry Group and Kerry Dairy Ireland right now is that the relationship is quite sour between all the camps. So to get a deal over the line, I think it would be very difficult. Like this outstanding issue of the leading milk price that the farmers still want and has, has gone through arbitration and Kerry Group seems to be kind of not that happy with how the arbitration went. So there's lots of lots of um, water on the bridge, I think, that needs to be sorted out before a deal can be done easily there, I think. And the, uh, the more Kerry... political than economic, yeah. Yeah, well, um, look, always is uh, kind of lower listener when there's parties involved like that, and there's yeah. a lot of money involved as well. The Kerry uh, Group, the PLC, the the, the global corporation, this eight yep. billion uh, euro monster that we have, as you said, it's a ninety percent ingredients business. What is the majority of that business, uh, Lorcan? What are what are they in? Are they in nutrition? Are they in uh, sports? Uh, drinks? Not so much, they're, 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 but, but they're really. I was in um, one of their operations actually in Indonesia. Last year, and and they make like ketchup sachets. They make stuff for for you know, international companies. All these brands that you've heard of, the guys, the high street kind of restaurants that you know that are multinational, they make ingredients for them. So they have like you know they make sauces, they make dips, they make chicken nuggets, they make all kinds of things. Basically, if it's an ingredient in food, Kerry Group probably make it. I have something to do. So they're not in the kind of they're not really in the consumer facing space so much, but they are very much in the business to business is what they do. And they're they're global. Like they have ten percent of workforces in Indonesia. So right? I mean, sorry, Malaysia, not Indonesia. Isn't it? But, um, isn't it crazy to think, uh, Larkin, that uh, a group of farmers who got together and started uh, collecting a bit of milk and set up a co-op all these years ago uh, it turned yeah. into this, you know, billion-dollar global corporation? Like it's well, a it's a head scratcher almost. Well, there's two of them. Like there's Lombia as well, which started mm. the same way. That was Watford and, and Avonmore got together and became Lombia. So like it's, it's the fact this happened twice, it says a lot about the business knows these people and how well they are, how good they are doing what they're doing, and it's kind of. I suppose for Glambia now, who are reporting next week, they, they, they've they gone their own way. They're doing often the, the nutrition, the, the sports drinks, all that, and they're making hay, hay out of that absolutely well they can. And Kerry's in ingredients. And the, kind of the, the, the roots of where they started are kind of, you know, they've gone their own way as well. So it's kind of a, you know, I suppose the kids grow up and go away, and that may be what's happened with the co-ops as well. Yeah, absolutely. And just before we finish, uh, Larkin, you have a piece tomorrow, just continuing on in that uh, Kerry story it's Kerry Milk Suppliers Want Control of Processing is the headline on the Farmer's Journal you're not allowed to say much about this because it's embargoed through till 10 o'clock but this is an interesting piece you have tomorrow in the paper yeah like the, the um, Kerry Co-op who shouldn't be confused with Kerry anything else Kerry Co-op is basically the holding company that holds shares in Kerry PLC and doesn't collect any milk but still called Kerry Co-op because that's who they are they had a survey of their milk, the milk their, their members who supply milk to Kerry to ask them what they want to do 
and it seemed fairly clear from the survey. I won't give too much away, but but definitely they they they, they want to control their milk. That's what they want to do. There's loads of other results and things by the paper tomorrow morning when it comes out, and you would read the full thing. But it's it's a very interesting survey, and a very interesting survey overall about the milk, the dairy industry in Ireland, how these guys feel about the future. I think it was really really a key key set of results there to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Larkin, we were keeping you from your dinner. You had to hold off and uh, move it on till 8 o'clock. So we're going to say many thanks for uh, joining us. Hopefully the tummy isn't rumbling too much and we'll speak to you again on the programme. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Uh, Larkin Roach Kelly there from the Irish Farmers Journal and uh, he was uh, moving things around for me there in order to fit us in here on the programme. So thanks to Larkin for that. And uh, yeah, interesting how both the Kerry Group and Glambia both wanted rid of the milk processing, even though that was how they both started. Goes to show you, I suppose, as you get big enough and big enough, uh, even though they're both uh, billion euro turnover entities in their own right, uh, I suppose when you're making or turning eight or eight and a half billion in the rest of your business, uh, that suddenly seems quite small. And obviously profit margins aren't as much as well because they are paying a bulk of it back to uh, their dairy farmer owners and that is in tomorrow's farmers journal just the journal as well tomorrow I have some of the headlines in front of me here so the main headline on the front page tomorrow is outbreak of tb in herds hits at 10 year high uh, so that's news we don't want to hear it, to be honest tb is the bane of every farmer's life out there and uh, obviously goes to show you that it's this testing that we're doing isn't uh, making much of a difference at all and all it's really doing is adding stress to us all uh, especially farmers who are going down and having to test two and three times in a row I think there's a a big animal health issue with that myself Um, also ICBF moves to address calf passport delays so yes if you're in the national genotyping programme and you're sending off your samples there has been a delay on passports so um, and samples are in the lab and Look, there's a, a bit of to and fro on it all. But uh, now they've said passports will also be issued when a sample is found unsuitable or empty or pending a retest. So you're still going to get your blue card and uh, you're not going to be left in at the end of the season with a load of blue cards missing. So um, at least you're, you're being aware of that and that's something that needs to be done. Here's an interesting one. Farmers are making up to €25,000 an acre for battery storage. Now, sounds co- too good to be true. And as Larkin said there, if it is... Too good to be true, it usually is. Uh, farmers are being offered twenty to 25000 per acre to lease their land for large-scale battery projects. Now, this is different. So battery energy storage systems are a new development in Ireland. They collect electricity uh, from renewable sources, so from solar or whatever it is. They store it in the batteries and then they release it into the grid when it's needed. So sometimes the grid needs more power. Sometimes the grid can't take the power that's made from the renewables. So this is a new one. Uh, I would say that I would be very, very wary about this. If someone's coming in offering you €25,000 an acre for battery storage, you would say to them, would you not just go off and buy a farm yourself for half that price? Um, That would seem to be the uh, most logical solution. I must do a piece on that. Stephen Robb from the Farmer's Journal wrote that piece, so that'll be an interesting one uh, for possibly next week. Now, coming up after the break, Minister Martin Hayden, he's in the doll, he's voting on something or other. He may be in a position to take her call, he also may not, so we'll give him a go. He wants to talk about a public meeting he has on Monday next in a tie for farmer farming and rural affairs. So let's see uh, if we can talk to Martin Hayden after the break. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W. 
And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, uh, Minister Martin Hayden uh, joins me, Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture. Martin, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Uh, hi, MJ. Hello to your listeners. Uh, you're more than welcome, Martin. I know you were busy this evening. You had a, a dull uh, vote, but you got out in time. Uh, you have a public meeting on Monday next in a tie. We'll chat about that in just a moment. But first, look, it's a hugely important time of the year on farms, busiest time of the year on farms throughout the country and busy means issues with farm safety. Obviously, it's one of your areas uh, as part of your uh, ministership. So Cavan's at full tilt. Farmers are getting tired. Look, we're halfway through maybe at this stage. It's a tough time to balance it all. Yeah, if a lad's halfway through, he's doing well because uh, we're, we're still well in February. But yeah, some, some are and lads that are well compact um, with their, their cabins, but others aren't. And the fact of the matter is, it's a timely opportunity, and I thank the opportunity uh, to MJ for to be able to highlight the fact that a tax by cows with a calf account for a third of all fatalities involving livestock. We always tend to tread a bit more carefully around the bull and keep an eye on them a bit more so, because that docile cow for 11 and a half months of the year is very quiet. But when she has a calf at foot and maybe there's a dog barking in the background, she's a little bit more anxious. It is really uh, higher risk, and the, the statistics bear out that our guard is down as well. So farmers tend to turn their back on that cow. Maybe we go to uh, tag the calf with the cow in the pen. We, we, we can't have that level of uh, complacency. We need to make sure there's a barrier between the cow and the calf. If you're d- doing something with the calf, even spraying iodine at the start or whatever the case may be, and particularly for older people, um, you know, uh, fatalities among farmers over the age of 65 with livestock account for a quarter of all those fatalities in livestock. And it's a bit like, you know, the old club footballer who gives it one more year and um, he might he mightn't be quite as fast as he thought he was. The, the mind is willing and he calls that ball, but he doesn't always get to it because he's not quite as agile and as mobile as he might have been a few years earlier. It's the same in farming terms. We get into our 60s, you know, and we, we look at that cow and think we can dodge a, a swing of a head or a swish um, that maybe 10 years earlier we might have dodged a bit better, but we don't. And um, the statistics, again, bear that out. So it's to be aware of the risk. Be aware of the hazards and, you know, tiredness, as you say, uh, is is an addition with the long working hours this time of the year. And it's just to be aware of that and have good planning and preparation in place to not put yourself in harm's way. Yeah, well said, uh, Martin. And, and one, one final point, if I just remind farmers as well, TAMS3, the Farm Safety Capital Investment Scheme, uh, has the higher rate of payment of 60%. It's open there for applications at the minute and it has an expanded range of farm safety related investments including calving gates, livestock monitoring cameras and handling facilities such as cattle crushes. So there's no excuse for us to be taking chances. Yeah, uh, and as you say, look, to be aware of it is the main one, Martin. Isn't that, isn't that the key? Uh, just before we go, we have two minutes here. You have a public meeting coming up uh, next Monday night. Can you just give us the background of that, please, and what's going to happen? Yeah, so look, it's to... Uh, to remind members that in Finnegale we established almost two years ago now uh, we updated uh, the work um, of the um, Finnegale National Agriculture and Rural Development Forum. Uh, Eddie Downey was made the chair and this is a forum of Finnegale members from around the country who work in the farming and agriculture and rural development area. They volunteered their time um, and they you know, are a very good lobbying uh, group and a, a sounding board for us within the party but we've also travelled the country um, held public meetings where we've invited farmers and people involved in uh, rural activity and rural development, but particularly in the agricultural area as well, to public meetings 
to listen to the speakers that we put on, but also, to, very importantly, to have their say in a questions and answer session. So next Monday night, the 26th of February in Italy, it's an open invite to anybody with an interest in this area to come to the Canard Court Hotel for 8pm. Uh, I will be addressing the meeting along with my colleague Fine Gael MEP for Midlands Northwest, Colin Markey. Uh, chair of the Agricultural Forum is Eddie Downey, former president of the IFA. We will also have the contribution invite from Chagas Sustainability Advisor in Kildare, Fiona Doolan, and Porik Hennessy, who's CEO of Terra Nutritech, but he's also chair of AgTech Ireland. Uh, but as I say, along with those presentations and the key topics affecting farmers and rural dwellers um, on the night, the most important part will be people who come along will have the opportunity to ask questions from the floor. We'll have a good lively debate as we have ha we've had about 15 of these around the country. They're very well attended. There's great engagement with them. Um, and I don't expect next Monday night in the tie to be any different. Very good. Many thanks, Martin. And uh, we will leave you back to the busy schedule there. No doubt you'll have a busy night next Monday also. And we'll speak to you again on the programme. Thanks, Emily. Uh, Martin Haydner, Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture. Martin's in charge of uh, R&D, farm safety and new market development. The farm safety one is uh, one of the big ones this time of the year. And as he said, just, just being aware, that's all. And uh, cows and calves, just be very careful. Getting into pens, putting iodine on, maybe trying to tag a calf, whatever you might be trying to do. Uh, just have a think about it just before you get in and just say to yourself, is this the right thing to do at this moment? And uh, if it means leaving it in another few minutes or having to get a gate uh, into the pen for protection or whatever the case may be. Uh, look, what are you going to save time-wise? Maybe five, ten minutes. We all do it. We all do it. But it's just being that little bit aware uh, and just knowing that a third of all fatalities occur with uh, a cow with a calf at foot. That's it for this evening's programme. I'm going to say thanks to Martin Hayden there for coming on at the end. Also thanks to Lorcan Roach Kelly. Great rundown there on the business of the Kerry Group, I have to say. Brian Clancy from Kildalton College. They have their open day on Friday week, 1st of March. And Martin Cochran from the Farm in Indo join me back at the start of the hour. Now the show is repeated on Sunday morning at 7am through to 8am. I'll be back with you in seven days' time, as always, 7pm here each Wednesday. And our podcast will be going out on Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you type in MJ space, Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y, will pop up and you can listen at your leisure. Uh, Joe Cooney's up next with Country Roads. I'll talk to you this time next week. Good night and God bless. 